Legally Vocal from Aperio, with guest host I, Stephanie Boyce, celebrating women in legal. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Legally Vocal. I'm I, Stephanie Boyce, President of the Law Society of England and Wales. And with me today is Stephanie Corey, co-founder at Uplevel Ops. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. So we're celebrating International Women's Day. What does International Women's Day mean to you? Well, I probably like you, I think that every day should be National Women's Day. (laughs) I think we're the ones that keep the world going round. Uh, We often don't get the credit for it, um, or historically, I should say, we weren't the ones getting the credit for it. But it is certainly nice to have some focus on it. Uh, I think some focus in our schools is a good thing. Just anything really highlighting the the contributions that women have made. So I am grateful. I, I was being kind of cheeky when I said that, but I am grateful certainly <laughs> for the focus on it. No, absolutely. So before we go into this year's theme, which is hashtag break the bias, let me just turn the focus on you. Tell me a bit about you. Sure. You know, I found myself in the profession of law pretty accidentally, to be totally honest. Um, Mm -hmm. My undergraduate is in uh, economics. I have an MBA. I was headed down the path of being a financial planner or broker. I got my brokerage licenses after I'd interned at Merrill Lynch um, and moved out from the East Coast to the West Coast for a, a position at a financial planning firm. I realized I did not like that work. I went in-house at a mortgage banking company, and about a year later, HP was looking for this position called Legal Operations. And it had a focus on operations, but specifically they were looking for somebody with a really strong financial background and was, you know, basically a kid. I was in my early 20s and was lucky enough to find a position there at HP, which was the company to work for in Silicon Valley back in the day and ended up, you know, I figured I'll spend a couple of years here in the legal department cleaning up their finances and then I'll move into one of the business roles. But the position of legal operations had really started to take root. And even though it was a, a very small kind of niche function, we I started to see other companies adding to this role. During my early days at HP, I started an organization with a couple of colleagues called CLOCK, the Corporate Legal Operations Network, which has become, you know, a, a very large networking organization for legal ops professionals. And long story short, you know, I ended up spending what I thought would only be a couple of years in uh, corporate legal departments, ended up becoming my whole career. And so after HP, I had a, a very brief stint at VMware and then moved over to Flex International, which was my most recent in-house role. And then five years ago, my general counsel and I left our in-house roles and we started Up Level Ops, which is a consulting firm. And we go around now and help legal uh, departments just set up their ops infrastructure and really bring the business principles into legal um, into legal departments so that legal departments can run more efficiently and the attorneys can focus more on substantive legal work rather than administrative tasks. So uh, thinking about a different way to approach legal services. That's exactly right. So that's about you. So thinking about this year's theme for International Women's Day, hashtag break the bias. Just for a moment, if we imagined a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated, 
and where together we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all hashtag break the bias. Stephanie, have you observed any barriers and biases against women in the legal industry? And if you have, what initiatives have you seen to help overcome these? So, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting question because what I'm seeing is in legal operations, it is actually women dominated according to the, the stats that I see. And I think a big part of that is because it requires a certain amount of what, what I'm using air quotes right now, what we often would call soft skills. Um, and we would say it like it was a bad thing, but really in actuality, those soft skills, empathy, um, being, you know, getting, um, in inclusion, getting, um, people, uh, influencing them so that they will actually change the way that they work. Those that things that we call soft skills are actually, in my opinion, the number one thing that you need for leadership skills. Um, so while we say it like it's a bad thing, I think that those types of leadership skills are absolutely necessary to lead an organization, certainly influence change. And those those um, things to me feel very feminine. And I think that that's why women have done such a great job in legal operations in general. Of course, you guys know better than I do, the biases that we see in the overall legal profession are things like, you know, women not making partner as frequently as men do, women not leading large organizations um, and not becoming uh, CLOs or GCs at these larger organizations. And that is a problem for sure. Where I see great advances are in a lot of these much smaller companies, you're seeing a ton of women taking over that GC and even uh, getting the title of CLO role. And so I work with many, many, many um, kind of nation legal departments, the 20 and under, I like to call them. And I'm, I'm working with a lot of female GCs and CLOs in those roles. And, uh, and again, like I said, you're seeing women leading tons of legal operations organizations. And so I'm starting to see that shift. And of course, I hope that continues. Not, you know, I know we're honoring women um, with this podcast, and I'm grateful for that. But also for, for people of color, for the uh, LGBTQ community, I want to see more of that happening, um, as you all do as well. And so I think it's really um, critical that we continue to move in that direction. And I think value those traits that that different types of people bring to the table. And I think that's what's really going to change it, starting to value those soft skills, the diversity, the different ideas coming from different backgrounds. And once we continue to recognize how valuable those skills are to problem solving, I think that's when we're really going to start to see and embrace change. So why do you think, you know, that females are profoundly founded, those smaller companies, you know, what do you think is driving that? That's a great question, and I'm not sure I know the answer to it. I think, um, you know, these smaller organizations are more nimble, they're more open, and they are certainly more fun to work with from a consulting perspective because they're willing to try anything. And so I think just the flexibility alone and the different perspectives that, that these leadership teams have is really refreshing. And so when you look even at the CEOs and the board and the investors, they seem willing to just try different things. And I think they're not 
focused on looking traditional. And I think maybe there is an effort to look opposite of traditional. I think they really are focused on doing things differently. And so that looks like a different leadership team. And so as you meet, you know, I get to meet a lot of these CEOs and even um, some of the investors, sometimes some of the board members, and they're, they're not necessarily the traditional board members that you would think of the, uh, you know, the old white guy types. <laughs> so I think um, just because they're coming at it from a different perspective, they're trying to be disruptive. And so they're willing to, you know, hire um, people who don't look like they did back in the 80s, frankly. Absolutely. So, you know, progress. So to take you back in terms of some of the, you know, you mentioned the 70% statistic of women and where they can be found. I mean, some of the issues, some of those stats are not so dissimilar to uh, some of the statistics that we have here in the solicitor profession in England and Wales. You know, some 52% of practicing solicitors are female, but 31% of partners in private practice are female in comparison to, you know, the 52%. But what we're not seeing, despite the numbers at entry level of some 63% of those coming into the profession who are female, what we're not seeing across the legal profession, so that includes solicitors, barristers, judges, is we're not seeing women reach the senior parts of the profession for uh, one reason or the other. So one of the things the Law Society did was launch the Women in Law Pledge, which was uh, to encourage uh, firms, businesses to support the progression of women into senior roles in the profession by focusing on retention and practice development opportunities. So thinking about some of those initiatives that you've seen to help overcome and, and some of those initiatives that you think have worked, has worked well. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see some of that in the U.S. as well. And, you know, when you think about how everything was set up initially, right, it was set up for traditional families where, you know, you had the, the woman, the wife staying at home and you just didn't need that flexibility in the businesses and in professions. To, you, you weren't looking at attracting different types of people in the workplace. So, you know, it was set up, it was designed in a very specific way. And now things are, are really different, right? And so Europe has done a much, much better job, I think, than the U.S. of building that flexibility right into, into how work is done. But you've got this, you know, influx of women in the workplace. And you you had a system that was designed just that, that working nine to five kind of thing. And it was very male dominated, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're starting to, we have been for many, many years, seeing this shift of tons of women entering the workplace. Like you said, you know, 52% of women um, entering that space um, are, are 52% of the lawyers are women, um, but they're not climbing up the chain. And that's, I think, a variety of factors. You can't, you can't, say that there's not sexism. There is absolutely sexism is still a big issue. But I think a lot of it too is the way everything is structured because it still caters to the more traditional styles of how we live. I think that's changing now. I think we're starting to see a lot of flexibility being built into work, the workplace. I think the pandemic pushed it in that direction in many ways. Um, and so I think what is 
going to be interesting is over the next five, 10 years to see if, you know, going to these, um, everybody's working remotely and we're seeing even the court systems doing a lot of things remotely and via uh, um, video, if that is also going to change how people work continuously and to see whether or not um, more women get promoted into the partner roles, judges, like you were saying, um, because it provides flexibility. Because at the end of the day, I mean, women, the burden of the household, the burden of parenting is still on women. I don't know that that's ever going to change. And so we find a way, women do not work less. We do not work less hard. We do not work less hours. I see it all day, all the time. And so if we're going to put in, you know, 50, 60, 70 sometimes hours in, um, you know, the corporate environment and law firm environment, whatever, I think, you know, that something has to give. And so if there's more flexibility built into these um, positions, I think that we're going to start to see, you know, more equality at the top. And I, I th I'm curious to see if the pandemic pushed us further in that direction. I think it is going to happen. It's happening slowly, in my opinion, probably too slowly. But it, you know, and I, I think eventually that bias will continue to um, re be reduced because it has been reduced. And, and I think we're going to continue to move in the right direction. I'm at least hopeful. Well, absolutely. I mean, one of the things we saw here in the United Kingdom was during the pandemic, it, uh, for, for women at least, you know, uh, from the surveys that were done, that we saw that women was, were bearing the brunt of childcare responsibilities as our children were forced to stay home and be homeschooled, you know, the brunt of domestic chores and so forth. Um, and certainly from those that we asked, we also know that, um, you know, homeworking. Um, and when you were talking about working, I, I couldn't help but get, you know, Dolly Parton's nine to five uh, <laughs> song out of my head. Um, you know, and of course she said then working nine to five, what a way to make a living, you know, and then other things, you know. But just thinking about, of course, how far we've come since the pandemic, but whether or not things have got better for uh, women or indeed, you know, um, like you say, you know, uh, we don't know if it, you know, if it has indeed made things better or indeed it may have made things um, slightly worse for uh, women. So thinking about the future, what more do you want to see for women in the legal profession? Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, such a great summary of what I was saying. I think that, and uh, continuing on with that, I think, you know, for me personally, and everybody wants different things, but having that flexibility, being able to throw a load of laundry in or, or start dinner and then jump back on a call, those little things that really at the end of the day might not seem like much to anybody. For women who are running households and running families, it's huge. And so, um, or being able to live where you want to live and still have, you know, a, a, your position being in, in, you know, a major metropolitan area. So being able to work remotely, um, being able to afford a, a house because I live in the Bay Area. I mean, it's completely unaffordable. So being able to buy a house somewhere outside of the Bay Area, but having my connection here in the Bay Area, for instance. 
I think that those types of things are going to be the great equalizer. Um, I think the pandemic has pushed us in that direction and I think we'll continue to do so. Um, but we won't know the ramifications for years. I think it's going to take a while for things to shake out and to really see where this pushed us. I, you know, I'm, I'm an, opt- an optimist, I think, at heart. And so I do think it's going to end up being positive, um, but I think it's one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see. Well, absolutely. Is there anything, any closing comments, any words of advice, wisdom that you want to impart to our to our listeners? I think, you know, one of the things about our profession is that we are so willing to help each other. And um, there's great organizations out there. Legal operations in particular is extremely inclusive and, um, and people really do want to help each other. And so we have a, a new networking organization called Link, the Legal Innovators Network. We're there for you. It's free to join if you're in-house. Um, but we've got a, a plenty of resources out there for folks. And also at Uplevel, we're happy to, you know, just have a, have a conversation and help people who are interested in getting into this profession. And, um, and if you want help, it's, it's out there. Our professions have made important steps in the right direction. But of course, for real change to take root, Firms, business organisations across the country, across the world, must put in place the right policies and work together, of course, to build a more diverse workplace for the next generation. Absolutely. I think companies and law firms, everybody has to start thinking about their stakeholders, not just their shareholders. And it's, um, it's something that we can't do alone just as workers. You got me thinking about technology there and robots and, you know, in terms of what role that tech will play in achieving equality. Oh, that's a whole other podcast we can do together. But I, you know, again, I, I think it can work in a very positive way. I mean, we've seen a lot of things around AI and the biases built in because of the people who are developing the software, of course, um, you know, but it's it's not deliberate, but it's, it's sometimes programmed into the technology. But one of the really interesting things I'm seeing, and, and you know, maybe we should have a separate conversation about this sometime, is the women in tech and these um, tech providers are oftentimes, um, you know, these, these tech solutions are developed by women. It could, it's really exciting. So I'm starting to see some great things in technology where women are taking a leadership role here. Sisters are breaking down those barriers. That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing your perspectives and your insights with us today as we celebrate hashtag breaking the bias. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing what the others have to say on this topic. Legally Vocal from Aperio. Join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Legally Vocal and follow on your podcast app of choice for every episode as it's released.